Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Our guest on the DJE podcast is a familiar face, Mr. Ruben Dominguez. He is the principal and founder of Totem Capital Group based in San Antonio, Texas, multifamily owner and operator. He's also the co-founder of ApartmentEducators.com along with myself. This is a ecosystem we created for teaching people how to invest in multifamily and the whole thing A to Z, the relationships, the knowledge, the training, um, all the way through to buying large, buying and operating large multifamily deals. If you want to learn about that, check out apartmenteducators.com. And then before we jump into the episode with Ruben, if you are not currently seeing the DJE deals that we put out uh, and you are interested in seeing those or interested in becoming an investor at some point, you can go to djetexas.com. That's Delta Juliet Echo Texas.com. Also linked below in the show notes. And you can sign up there. We can send you case studies and see our future projects. So with that out of the way, let's dive in. We had a really good conversation about the market, about current deals, about the apartment educators world and how that's growing. Um, really good candid conversation with my friend and business partner, Ruben Dominguez. Here we go. Ruben, welcome. Good to see you. Hey, Devin. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So we, you know, we we'll talk about multifamily on this podcast. Uh, we could talk about apartment educator stuff, about deals. Last night was good. We had our San Antonio apartment educators event. Yeah, it was probably what eighty, hundred people out there. Yeah, I felt. I mean, that, the room was full. I felt like the room was at capacity. Totally. It's hard to. Uh, there's a lot of noise. Hard to hard to hear myself, but it was great. great. Yeah. Lots of energy. Yeah, lots of energy. Lots of people. Uh, Doing deals, putting deals together. Obviously, some newbies, some some uh, fresh faces, and then some some uh, regulars too. Definitely, and those burgers, those are good. Yeah, yeah. You guys listening? If you come to San Antonio, Chris Madrid's is the spot you want to get a burger. And uh, what are we? Every is it the third Tuesday of every month we're out there? Usually third or fourth Tuesday of every month. Yeah, at Chris Madrid's. Yeah, check out a, check out the website apartmenteducators.com. Go to events and they'll all be listed there for the next few months. There it is. Uh, speaker was good. Had an attorney out of Dallas, MW Law, talking about securities, securities law. Lots of good Q and A on that too. It seemed like there was kind of a hunger there in the audience to get, you know, get it straight from the the horse's mouth. And I think too, a lot of times when we're presenting as sponsors or people with experience running deals, we can talk about legal. Like, Art, here's my experience, but not an attorney. <laughs> so totally. we had an actual you know, SEC attorney uh, talking about deals, and I think people felt a little better about asking him questions. For sure, so, and it was free. For it was them free. Instead of $500 an hour or whatever he charges. Yeah, yeah, so you get a consultation out of it too. So <laughs> that was good. Um, look forward to, man, growing that, more markets. Uh, growing those events, attendance, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm excited about, uh, you know, we're launching Houston a few months ago. Yep. That one's going great. And then uh, some other markets in Texas on the horizon, and then some other markets out of Texas on the horizon this year, too. So it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, we got good stuff ahead. The team's growing, moving the office downtown. Um, that's super exciting to see. It was funny last night, I was talking to somebody I've known for years that's multifamily owner. And they were like, uh, 
I was like, Hey, are you buying anything? Are you selling anything? And they're like, Oh, we're selling something. And I was like, which, which one are you selling? And then they were kind of, she's kind of leading me down this road. And then she's like, yeah, aren't you the buyer? And I was like, what, wait, what deal is it? <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, I am a, I'm a, I am on that deal. Like I'm a key principal on the deal. I'm an investor and the, the other GPs in this room. So like well, they ended cool. up talking and I'm like, just in the room in San Antonio with, I don't know, all these different owner operators. It's like, we probably own a the substantial portion of the San Antonio B and C multifamily market owners are like in this room right now. It's just kind of funny. Totally. Totally. There's a, a lot of owners are last night. A yeah. lot of them. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So Good that's always see. fun. You know, I think it's important for people to have camaraderie with like-minded people. I think if you're getting started in this business and you go tell your friends and family about it, if they don't know, they're going to, you know, want to protect you and they're going to poo poo it. Right. Totally. Or the crabs in a bucket syndrome or whatever. It's like, you really do have to get around like-minded people that, that kind of understand this stuff. Totally. I always, I always said to myself, only take advice from people that have done it successfully. Mm. And if I can't find anyone that's done it successfully, maybe it's not something I want to do. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, even your family, they're just trying to protect you and they love you. They don't want you to make a mistake, but sometimes they're going to tell you not to do something because, Oh, my uncle tried that. And right. you know, renting a house out was a disaster. And it's like, well, did he do it wrong? Probably. Maybe. Yep. I don't know. Let me go find someone that's done it right and ask them yep. what their experiences. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. That's great. You, you, you want qualified advice. Everybody's got advice, but uh, there's got to be a qualifier there. I think that's a good standard. Have you done it successfully? Yep. Exactly. If not, uh, you yep. can't put much credence on that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So that was great. Great event. Um, well, what's going on with, with Totem Capital? You guys got deals in San Antonio. You're operating deals. You're rebranding, turning around, um, retenanting, you know, stuff like that. What's, you know, what's a snapshot of what you guys are up to today? Yeah. So we are operating a few here in San Antonio. Um, one of them's big turnaround, right? Lots of delinquency, lots of tenants that shouldn't be there. Yep. Uh, we're in the process of turning that around. It takes a while. For sure. Get those people out, get some units renovated, get some some tenants in there that can actually pay. So there's a lot of tenants that weren't paying. They were in there, but they weren't paying. Right. And so, you know, you got to work them out the right way through the system. And uh, we've got a new project that we're working on out of Dallas in, cool. Al in Allen, Texas, the DFW area. Um, that is a 200 unit class. I'd call it a class B, right? So yep. uh, newer, there's a newer section of the property and an older section. Oh, and that is a 506C, so I can talk oh, about it. Oh, man. Yeah, accredited <laughs> only. Accredited only. But you can you can solicit. You can market. For sure. Yeah, cool. And I'm excited about that deal. This particular area of Dallas is North Dallas. And if you don't know about the North Dallas area, it's one of the fastest growing parts of the country. There's a huge housing shortage. Right. This particular property is on 13 acres, which you don't see that a lot anymore. Which is a lots of green space in that particular city. That's there's, really low density for 200 units. Totally. Yeah. So there's a lot of greens. It's beautiful. Right. They, they don't allow that. So you have to build this new urban type of apartments there. So it's How do you mean they don't urban. allow it? So there's a moratorium on garden style apartments in this city. So oh, wow. you can't build those anymore. You have to build a lot more dense because they ran out of space. Sure. And so uh, lots of people trying to get in there. It's right close to Allen High School, which is a big football magnet high school for uh recruiting into college so lots of people want to move into that city so they right. get their kids in that school right it's like and an so, alamo heights here people totally. buy an apartment just to be in that school district totally so we feel real good about this property and i'm excited about it get that one close here pretty quick 
Yeah, Dallas has just been like the center of the universe for the the migration into Texas for sure for yeah. years now, and it's still it's continuing. Right? Yeah, it's I think even more than Austin, and I think Austin's slowed a little bit um, from what I've been reading. Yeah, it's still growing like crazy, but slowed from its peak a couple years ago, and you know everyone's moving into Austin, Dallas, San Antonio. It's been yep. crazy here in Texas. Yeah, I was looking at a report from uh, one of the guys at JLL sent me. San Antonio is like 14, 15%, you know, rent growth, I guess year over year, um, pretty wild kind of numbers. Now the flip side of that coin is like the ta I'm going back and forth with my attorney on the tax assessments. And I'm like, Holy <laughs> yeah. moly. Yeah. Woo. You know, we, we did okay on a few of our, uh, protests. Some of them we just got hammered on. One of them was, uh, was a refi. And that's what the attorney said, like really hammered us on the valuation. Oh, wow. From the county is that, so I was like, ah, we should have just sold that thing, you know? Because um, the refi, at least on that particular deal, was like a lot of work, a lot of fees, mm -hmm. not great proceeds, I thought. We didn't get to return a bunch of capital, which I would have liked to do. It's still a great deal, right? Yeah, and the valuations sure. are, are crazy. And when we sell, it's going to kill it. And now it's, it's cash flowing now. So no complaints necessarily, but... It's kind of a lot of work to to go through that refi, and it costs origination fees and stuff. And then it's like, um, man, I should you should have just sold it. <laughs> We're gonna do all that work. <laughs> no kidding, no kidding. Because uh, you do all the work on the front end with your acquisition. I mean, that's a lot of work. And then you kind of get into your operations, and it 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 slows down a little bit, at least for the owner operator. I mean, the, op, the on site teams are always busy, but for sure. But the owner operator kind of gets settled into a groove. But yeah, those refis are. You know, any any time you get in the, the bank involved. Oh, yeah. So anyway, yeah, tax stuff is a, a headwind. Yes, but definitely. the um, uh, labor's a headwind right, that we're seeing right now. Um, inflation, all that stuff. But then the rent growth is like okay, it just you know they're always going to kind of totally. move. Not exactly in lockstep. You know, your taxes might go up, but then your rents going to go up. But you know, population growth, like we always say, the the influx of people moving here and the, the shortage of housing keeps, keeps this whole world spinning. Totally. Right? I always laugh. Cause we, what did you write in for rent growth on that thing? 3% oh my a gosh, year or something yes. like that. You're getting actual 14, 15%. So right. Crazy. Which you never could have under, like of you never not. would show that to an investor. Like, yeah, I would think it's to be 10% year over year. <laughs> like what? They'd laugh you off. And yeah. the bank would be like, we're absolutely not lending on that. But uh, here we are, it's here. So it's interesting to see what the lender's willing to accept for rent growth. And it seems like they're willing to accept a near term, you know, one or two year, pretty aggressive rent growth and then taper off. Taper off you know, yeah. you, you, we're not going to see 15% year over year for our five year hold. For sure. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I hope not. That's that's going to mean weird things for the economy if that's the case. Totally. But, but it is a, a tailwind right now, yep. you know, and it's kind of letting us overcome some of those supply chain issues we're seeing, labor, you know, I wouldn't say shortage, but it's, you know, that's been a anybody, any business owner. Totally. Um, and then the taxes, obviously, taxes and insurance always going one direction only. And that's interest up. rates going up. Yeah, interest that's rates. Impacting debt service. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, those rate caps have kicked in. Yeah, that's pretty wild, properties. right? Yep. Yeah, I mean, some of this stuff was theory a few years ago. Like, oh, yeah, we'll buy a rate cap. It's never going to jump <laughs> 200 basis points. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, you know, here we are. We're dealing with it. So like everything, you roll with the punches. It's more surfing than than anything and just adjusting every day to the to the climate. People still need housing. So, totally. Yeah. Yeah, I think you mentioned it. Uh, 
you know, it's really hard to get to the finish line on a project to close it when you buy it. Right. And that's when the work starts. Right. As an operator, at least, because yeah. you are, you know, you got to you got to roll with the headwinds and the tailwinds. And, and it's a business. You're running business. Figure it out. Yeah. Right? Make it work. Yeah. And I see a lot of people getting frustrated around, you know, pro forma. And it's like, I mean, I always say this like to my family and stuff. We're only upset when our expectations are violated. So if your expectations are anything could happen and I'm happy to be alive today, <laughs> then you're not really going to be upset at anything because y- your expectations aren't violated. True. If your expectation is we're going to renovate 6.5 units per month for the next 18 and a half months and we're going to get this, you know, and you have your, <laughs> your five-year pro forma mapped out to a T, it's like, well, guess what? Every line item is going to change. And that causes a lot of people some angst because their reality didn't match their expectation. Now their expectations are violated. And and I don't think you can work in that business, yeah. in this business that way. You got to do the best you can on your modeling, get in there and start operating and making decisions. I mean, you might make a decision a month after closing that's different than your pro forma. For sure. Because paint costs five times as much now. Okay. Totally. We're going we're gonna to do something different to approach us or I think you guys had some stuff where it's like, Oh, we can get the rent premium without spending the CapEx dollars. Do yep. that. Like preserve the capital or re- reallocate that capital. So totally. Yeah. You're a business owner. You're making decisions on the fly. Yeah. We signed a contract on a deal that we closed on in February and October. It took us a while to get that thing to the finish line. Um, and our original rehab estimate was $3,800 a unit. We were going to rehab the classic unit, which, it needed everything, flooring, paint, yep. countertops, resurfacing tubs, everything. And uh, when we're getting closer to closing, it's like, well, prices have gone way up on materials. It's hard to get appliances, you know, with the things that are happening right now in the economy and the supply chain issues. Oh, yeah. And so now our rehab has gone up to about 7800 a unit. So we had a, we, we're going to close that thing, though, but how do we make it work with our CapEx budget? And that's what we do. We said, well, why don't we take the partial rehabs? They already have flooring. They already have appliances. We probably need new countertops, new lighting package, new plumbing package, but it's going to save us a lot of money, labor and materials. Right. And supply chain issues. We don't have to wait for these appliances to come in because I already got them. Why don't we redo those? That's 3,200. So it's actually less than our original budget for redoing the whole prop, the whole classic units. And we're able to do more. Yep. So that's the plan. We kind of pivoted to that plan and that's been working out great for us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. I mean, these are the decisions that the operators got to make. And it, what I like about this business is there's kind of a spot for everybody. You know, if you want to be a passive investor, invest 100K in your deal, great. You don't have, I'm trusting you to make those decisions, but I'm not losing sleep at night over those decisions. For sure. If you want to step up to the plate and be the operator, you're losing sleep over those decisions. And you're, you're having to make those decisions on a regular basis. You're managing a lot of people's capital. It's a ton of stress it and is. pressure. Uh, and that's why you own 30% of the general partnership on a huge deal. It's like, that's not for nothing. For sure. It's <laughs> definitely know? a lot of sleepless nights and yeah. stress. And, you know, sometimes you're like, oh gosh, I, we're going to have to make this work somehow. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the investors, you know, we uh, we want them to have a great experience, not experience any of the stress because that's all yep. on us and that's our job. That's, that's our job. That's what we're, we're getting paid for to do. Yeah, yep. So. Yeah. But it's like, you know, if you go through this business, kind of thing we always talk about. Step one, passive investor. Step two, maybe you co-GP a deal. deal. Step three, you you step up and you're the you're the operator, general partner. 
um, you know, for those folks that really want to jump in and roll up their sleeves and do it and also like make a lot of money. Totally. Right. I mean, let's just be blunt. Like there's a reason people are willing to do this work is sure. because this could be like life changing type of, uh, type of setup. And so that's, that's worth it. And I also think about it too. It's like, I had some insanely stressful times <laughs> in my corporate career True, with no upside. Very true. <laughs> I mean, so you take your pick. Exactly. Right? And the thing about a corporate career is people used to always, I remember I used to work a corporate job and I was the real estate guy at this company. It was right. probably 4,000 people that worked in the building I worked in. And I was the real estate guy. I meet with people all the time. A lot of people will say, man, isn't what you're doing really risky? Right. And I always put it back to them. I said, actually, what you're doing is really risky because they could fire you right now, walk into this room and say you're fired because yep. we're cutting for whatever reason. Oh, yeah. And what's your backup plan? Do right. you have one? Because my backup plan is like I have a, at the time I was doing single family, I have, you know, 10 single family houses that are cash flowing every month. Right. So it's not going to be a great lifestyle, but it's going to pay my bills. And most of the time they didn't have a backup plan. Right. And it's like, well, I have a 401k with 100k in it. It's like, <laughs> how far is that going to get you when you're making, you know, most of these guys are pretty high salary people. So yeah, it's like that six months for you a year. Like, how long is that going to take? Right. Take you. And you're just, you're taking an early distribution on a 401k. There's going to be penalties and tax implications on that. So. Yeah. You don't want to touch that to, exactly. to live on. So it's interesting. You know, yeah. If you're an employee and nothing wrong with being an employee, it's great. We, you know, we have employees, uh, all that stuff. But, you know, a lot of times your name's on a spreadsheet and somebody somewhere's going like, is that person pulling their weight or do they need to be out of here? Totally. And so you feel secure going about your daily business, but somebody's watching that PL and you might be, uh, you might be a target at totally. any given time. And I would tell people like, it doesn't have to be real estate. That's your backup plan, but have a backup plan. Right. Real estate just happens to be, a, in my opinion, the best vehicle out there for right. investing because of the, you get tax benefits, you get cash flow, you get equity, all that stuff's growing, especially if you're in an amazing market like in Texas. Um, but that doesn't have a backup plan because I can guarantee your job is not a great backup plan. That's, that's a, uh, that's something to get you through until you have something that you can retire on yeah, or live off of at least if you lose that job. Yeah, for sure. Or continue working and, you know, contributing, whatever. For sure. But uh, be building. Exactly. Be building, you know, it's, it's all, I was talking to a CPA last night at the uh, apartment educators event and we were just kind of kicking around the, the, the obvious truth, but some people may need to hear it that as an employee, you got nothing on, in terms of tax Nothing. You got nothing. You're the highest tax. Yep. yep. Especially middle class. I mean, the the lower end doesn't pay taxes. The higher end has figured out how to be business owners and not pay taxes. Yep. It's all shouldered by the middle class, which is brutal, but I, I didn't make it up. Yeah. No. Um, but then you switch switch over to business owner and this whole world of tax advantages opens up to you. Um and so they were talking about how they structured he was actually really geeking out on stuff <laughs> like they created this management company that he owns 1% of his wife has 99%, but got the healthcare and they kind of lost me after a few minutes. I'm like, <laughs> not, knock yourself out, man. But that's the stuff you could do as a business owner. Totally. You know, and it's all perfectly just play, playing ball with the tax code. Yeah. I think your options as an employee are how much can I put in different types of retirement accounts sure. to shield from taxes. And the funny thing about that is most of those are not tax shelters they're tax deferred you're gonna pay taxes right now you're gonna you're betting on i'm gonna be a lower income bracket when i retire 
and I'm going to pay less in taxes because I'm going to have less income. But I was always thinking, I want more income when I retire. I don't, right. I should be always going up in my income. Right. So when I retire, I should be paying more in taxes. So that, that was never a solution for me to say, oh, I'm going to take distributions when I retire and have lower income. So I'll be in a lower tax bracket. It's like, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. So I, thought, I always thought that was, that was not a great plan when I was working at a job. Yeah, the thing that got me about that too is you're, you're putting away tax deferred capital. Okay, it's pre it's pre tax money that's coming out of you know, before it hits your paycheck and all your taxes get pulled out. That's good, but then where's it going? A lot of times it's going to this some managed account that they're going to clip a fee regardless of performance, and it's just going to roll with the market. Totally. And sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. Zero control. So it's like, yeah, it's pre-tax, but now we're just throwing it in the casino where, exactly. I mean, man, if you are a, you know, uh, retail investor on Wall Street, you are the bottom feeder. You are the totally. last one. All the insiders get paid first. All those clowns on Wall Street uh, get paid first and you get just enough to, to ha- keep <laughs> you coming back. Um, so funny. But huh? it's such a, it's such a casino. I would look at my retirement account statement when I had a 401k and it was like, oh, 8% return. But then I really looked into it and it's like, they're counting my contributions as a return. When I looked into it, I was like, that's pretty shady because that's my money that I'm putting in there. They're counting that as a return. My actual return was like 2%. Because you get your pick of four different options. Like you got high risk, medium risk, low risk, and which one do you want? Yeah. And so when I really looked at, and I, I, I always encourage people to look at that and like really break it down and make sure that whatever that return is, is they're not counting your contributions because that's not really a return. That's a your contribution. Yeah. So what's your actual return on that? The gall of those guys to include that in I your know. return. I know. <laughs> Freaking crooks, man. Yeah. So that was always a, that was a big eye opener for me. Yeah. When I saw that. I was like, wow. That's yeah, crazy. And then all the fees and everything. Totally. I mean, it's uh yeah, you want you want LLC ownership. You want direct ownership yeah. of an asset. I always explain to my kids, it's like, hey, look, here's the way a business works. When you're taxed as an employee, all your taxes come out and then you get what's left, and then you can go spend that. As a business owner, it's like, hey, you're gonna have gross income, so money coming in, and then you take all your expenses out, not all of them, but a lot of them. And then you're taxed on what's left, which is cool because I'm not taxed way up here. And then I get to spend what's left. It's like I get to spend and then what's left I get taxed on. And that's the biggest difference, I think, between a working and then owning your business. 100%. Yeah, so Yeah. Yeah, I was looking at some um, some charts yesterday. I think I saw on Twitter or whatever. So 100% accurate. <laughs> but it was kicking around with the CPA. And, and you look at the, uh, the federal uh, income, which is basically all taxes. And it was like almost half of it was from payroll tax, right? Oh, so man. like all the employees we have, we pay the payroll tax, like no getting around that. Yep. The other almost half was employees taxes, wait on wages, which are taken out before they see it. Yep. And then like 10% of it was corporate. So all of the corporate earnings <laughs> accounts for a sliver of revenue. Yep. So it's all borne by the employees. Oh, yeah. You know, the employees paying it before they see their check or the employers that you're not getting out of your payroll tax. Totally. And so that's, you know, that's what they want. Um, then you go get tax more when you spend uh, sales tax. Oh, tax yeah. on this tax on that. It's like, oh, gosh. Yeah. 
So you just, it's brutal. And uh, didn't we found America on like a 2% tax? We revolted over 2%. Or I think so. Now we're at 40%. <laughs> uh, but the, the key to that is make more money. Totally. Make more money, find ways to work with your CPA, develop a tax strategy to legally pay as few taxes as possible, and then just make more money totally. to overcome that. Because you pay we, off your house, you're still not getting out of your taxes. Totally. We have investors that invest with us just for the tax benefits. Yeah. Right? And this is the last year for you know uh, the year one bonus depreciation on right. uh, multifamily. So a lot of people right now are trying to get into syndications. Like this is my last year I can take that bonus depreciation, which is massive. Yep. For those of you listening that don't know, it's massive, massive tax paper tax losses that potentially I'm not a CPA. You obviously obviously talk to your CPA, but of course. you potentially you know, reduce your, your tax liability by a lot by investing in these. And you're making a huge return on top of that. Right. So it's a great investment for people that are looking to shelter some taxes. Yep. For sure. Um, for sure. I mean, that's, there's no question. Um, the clock's ticking too on 2022. I mean, we're talking nope. kind of the end of the year almost here. You know, if we got a deal and contract today, it's just going to kind of squeak in this year totally for 2022. I mean, it's, you look at a, maybe a 90 day, 75, 90 day close cycle. Yep. That's basically Q4. Yep. You know, um, it's going to be eaten up and then you're going to have your inevitable, you know, extension at the end. You totally. always try to avoid them, but <laughs> you build them into the contracts because inevitably they can't find the coin mock contract or something and you need a week extra. <laughs> or close. some, some, where you're waiting on some document from the state and they take forever yep. backlogs and yep. you can't close until you get that document. Yep. So you need another 10 days or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's always a circus, but, uh, yeah, but good stuff. Massive depreciation to be had. So that's something to look out for. If you're looking to get into syndications, which, you know, deal flow slowed with, with rates, you know, I've talked to a few investors like, man, the deal flow just like dried up all the, all the operators I invest with got nothing coming. You guys have anything coming? it's like, well, we're looking for sure. We're still yep. making offers. Just the debt markets are a little, little squirrely. Um, but uh, you know, fundamentals still amazing. Totally. So prices have come down a little bit. Yeah. It's more of a buyer's market than yeah. it was a year ago. Yeah, for sure. So that's, that's uh, I, I see some light at the end of the tunnel on deal flow for, for sure. sure. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It all kind of ebbs and flows. Um, well, cool. Well, let's, let's wrap it up. You know, we talked to a lot of people last night at the department educators event. Uh, at varying stages, but a lot of people want to figure out how to get started, how they get in the business. What do you say to that person? You probably said it 10 times last night talking to people, but what do you say to that person that wants to break into multifamily? You know, I tell them always oh, there's three steps to that. Number one, you need to get some education, books, podcasts, YouTube videos, go to meetups, like meet people Yep. Uh, or join a coaching group. That's the easy button. I'm going to pay for it, pay for my education Yep. and then partner with someone that's done it before. Don't go out and try to buy an apartment complex by yourself. Seriously. If you've never done it before, you might be successful, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be real tough. Yep. I, so I partner with someone like, you know, DJ or our company or someone that's done it before and do a little bit of work for that deal, right? You're going to do some work, but you're going to learn a lot and you're going to get paid right? For being yeah. part of that deal. Yep. And then after you partner with someone and the best way to find partners is go to meetups, right? Go to meetups, meet people, go to conferences, meet people, join a coaching group where you have an instant network of people that want to partner and do deals together. And that's kind of why we created apartment educators for that particular reason. Or, and then number three, once you've learned and you, you might want to partner a few times, maybe you do it once, maybe you do it three times. And if you want to take that next step and do a deal by yourself, then now you have the, you have the education, 
you've got some experience, you can confidently approach brokers. You've got, you've got your name on a loan probably now. So you've got some track record for the lenders. Now you can go out and say, now I'm ready to find my own deal and you can do your own deal. So that's the quick three-step process. Now, obviously it takes a little bit more work than just saying that, but, uh, that's what I always recommend, that three-step process. I see a lot of people just trying to get in. Like, they contact brokers. They've never done a deal. Talked I know. to some people last night that I, know. I bought a three-unit, and I want to I buy 120 units. Like, it's going to be tough for you. You're going to have to overpay for that deal. Yeah. if you're raising money, that's not a good thing to overpay for a deal. Or you're going to have to get in there with, a, with and really be scrappy, and hopefully someone trusts you that you can raise money. You, got, you can get the, the lender to loan you some money. Yeah, uh, but it's going to be an uphill battle for you. It's a lot of pieces to figure out uh, all at once. And yeah, we, we always tell people don't approach brokers until you have a line of sight to your debt and your equity. So how, how are you going to raise the equity? We always say this $10 million deal needs $3 million in equity. How are you going to get $3 million? You also need the debt. You need a $7 million loan, which yep. means you need $7 million net worth or you, you and a partner need $7 million net worth. So don't even talk to the broker no. until you until you have had enough conversations to put together the equity and the debt. And you know none of it's insurmountable. We always say any deficiency can be overcome with a partner or a vendor. Totally. So, you know, I'm not saying you can't play ball, but you got to line that stuff up ahead of time. Otherwise, you're just wasting a broker's time. And now you burnt your name with that broker because they're sure. like, oh, that clown, you exactly. know. And you just thought the move was to go start. You know, because you listen to me on a podcast say start building broker relationships. Like that, there's <laughs> steps. Don't do that until you know how you're going to get your equity and your debt. Or worse, you get the LOI accepted. Ugh. You put some hard earnest money down, Ugh. and you can't raise the money, or you can't get a lender to loan you the money, and yes. you lose some money on that deal. That's worst case. Yeah, 100k lesson. Totally. Should have just paid, joined several coaching groups with that money. Totally. <laughs> and that actually happens to experienced sponsors. Yeah. You get sure. out of the deal for a reason. Sure. And I, I think every sponsor I know has lost some earnest money. Oh yeah, we've walked away from some. You've got to walk away from some deals that, yep. that just don't aren't going to work. And so, um, when you're inexperienced, you know that risk is 10x. Yeah, yeah. So you'll pay for your experience one way or the other for sure. Um, yeah. Well, good stuff, um, Ruben. If somebody listening wants to connect with you, learn more about what you guys are doing, how can they do that? Uh, probably best way is our website. It's, it's uh, totemcapitalgroup.com. It's like a totem pole, T-O-T-E-M. Yep. And uh, that's you can you can schedule a call there. You can contact us and happy to happy to jump on a call with you. Awesome. We'll link to that in the show notes. If you're listening, just scroll down and click through. Uh, visit Totem Capital's website. And uh, always good catching up, man. Look, I'm excited about what you guys have going on, your deals. I'm excited about apartment educators. That team's growing, growing in different markets. So good stuff happening and then i'm excited about the fed uh, announcing a rate cut here anyway. yes me too <laughs> i don't know when that's happening but hopefully uh, soon it's gonna be bananas when it does <laughs> yes it is all right awesome. well um good seeing you man catch you up too. soon appreciate it yep, see you take care thank you for listening to the dje podcast for more information please go to djetexas.com